0: It was um it was september fourteenth two thousand and four that my life changed forever <laughs> that was the that was the day uh, that I became a father um, and it 's never been the same since, and it'll never be i mean it, this is th- now i mean i 've been the father three times over now, which i 'm grateful for, but it was it was, a, it was a radical moment and a radical life shift for me from that day on, the day that I became a father. And this is a picture of uh, my two boys, me and, and my dad. You notice we got them properly attired there in the Maple Grove baseball gear. Because, um, <clears throat> you know, we're trying to corrupt people. It's funny, as I grow and as, as I've grown, Um, and matured. I I never realized until I became a father and as I've continued to mature as a father, the impact that uh, my decisions and my actions had on my dad. And and by the way, happy Father's Day, Dad, whenever you watch this. (laughs) Love you. Just for the record, in case you were wondering. But it's one of those things that I I never really, it, it didn't dawn on me the decisions that I made, the way that I spoke, the friends that I made, the people that I hung with, the places that I went, the things that I did, I didn't realize the impact that those actually had on my, my parents and, and on my father. I wonder how many times, and I didn't take time to ask nor to think of it too deeply, how many times the things that I said and did deeply concerned, disappointed, or even grieved my father. I bring this up because this morning we talk about the fact that you and I can grieve our heavenly father. That the things that you do, say, think, and the way we act actually grieves our heavenly father. And it's only as we continue to mature and grow in faith that we begin to wrestle with and realize the, the impact of our lives have on him. And that's where we're at this morning as we we wrestle with this concept that God reveals in his word of how we can grieve the very spirit of God that is within us. If you have your Bibles, I'd invite you to join me in Ephesians chapter 4. That's where we're going to be this morning. Ephesians chapter 4, we'll kind of look, be looking at verses 29 through 32 Though There will be one verse, verse 30, that will be our primary text for this morning. If, you have a, if you're with us this morning and you don't have a Bible, you can find the Bible in the pew back in front of you, and you can find this reading on page 948 of that particular Bible. We find ourselves now, just like to read these, these brief verses, and then we will study these verses together. Verse 29 of Ephesians chapter 4. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, just as in Christ God forgave you. The first thing we want to realize this morning is this, that God can be grieved. That's one of the things that this passage reveals to us. It's not something that we normally take time to think about. It's not something we normally interact with. But here he says that we, can, he says that we should not grieve the Holy Spirit, that God himself can be grieved. God so identifies with us that he allows himself to be by, grieved by our lives. And this, I want to suggest to you, is a distinctly Christian characteristic. This is one of the distinctives of, of Christian thought. You see, because what you have here in this passage, if you were to read uh, basically from verse 17 all the way through, say, um, verse 20 of chapter 5, what you find here is a whole lot of do's and don'ts for the Christian life. Here are things that you ought to do. Here are the things you ought not to do. And, and you have a, a sort of list, if you like, of things to do and not do. And the, But what you have... And so it's like, this is how you ought to live. But if you were to go to any other religion, major world religion, then you'll find very similar things, very similar lists of these are the things you ought not do, and these are the things you, sh- you should do, of if you want to live in, in accordance with the, what we believe, then, then this, is the, this is the good living that you ought to have. You would find things like don't lie or don't steal or don't lose your temper or don't use bad language or corrupt communication. Be kind and be good and be philanthropic. You would find those in every other major religion, every other world religion that's there. But what you won't find that's distinct about the Christian faith. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, because it is the nature with which God, it's the nature of relationship that God has with His people. What you won't find in these other religion, re, religions is that God Himself can be grieved by His people. Unless, unless your understanding this morning of Christianity includes this is founded on this and leads to this, then you have a misunderstanding of your relationship with God. You have a misunderstanding of Christian thinking. That we have to understand that what makes Christianity different is that God is so involved with his people that God even allows himself to be grieved by our actions. And therefore, it impacts the way in which we live. The reason we do good things the reason we, we, we live to a certain set of standards is not because we just want to have good conduct, but it's because of the relational nature of our connection with God. You see, good conduct is not necessarily Christian. Too often we think of just moral morality and good living as that's what Christianity is, but that's not what Christianity is because there's often people from other religions that live more moral lives than we do. Our basis of Christianity is not based on morality. Our Christian living is not based on primarily that it's better for your life. Our doing good and being good and acting good is not primarily because it will benefit us and make our life a happy life or that we can have our best life now or that people will like you better or that you'll have a better reputation. That's not Christianity in its essence. Our Christian living is, is not based primarily on a code of conduct. Our Christian living is not based on how it helps my life become a better life. Our Christian living is based on our understanding of who God is and our relationship to him. And that our actions can grieve our Heavenly Father. King David, if you, if you know the story of King David, King David was king hence the name he was king and one day he was walking about and he saw a beautiful woman taking a bath and he wanted her and it was Bathsheba and he ended up having an an affair with her he ended up committing adultery with her to make matters worse he decided he wanted to cover that up and so he, he his her husband was on the front lines of of the battle and so king David brought her husband Uriah and tried to, to tried to get tried to cover up his mess right and, the, and, and he wasn't able to do it because Uriah was such an upstanding man and was so honorable and honored to honor the king that then David essentially had him sent out to the very front lines of the battlefield and had Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, killed. Later on, Nathan the prophet came and approached King David and he pointed out his sin. And when King David realized his sin, then he wrote Psalm 51... And in Psalm 51 verse 4, this is what King David says. And he's speaking about God. He says, against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. King David had committed adultery, King David had committed murder, King David had not done well in his kingly duties, and yet when he writes this, when his sin has been pointed out to them, and he writes in Psalm 51 verse 4, he says to God, against you and you only have I sinned. How can he say that? I mean, clearly, he sinned against Bathsheba. Clearly, he sinned against Uriah. Clearly, he sinned against the other men in the army. Clearly, he sinned against his wife or his household. It's hard to think of who he hasn't sinned against. So how is it that he says, against you and you only have I sinned? How can David say such a thing? Because it's his understanding of what sin is. Because sin in the Bible is not primarily a horizontal act between human beings. Sin in the Bible is not primarily against another person. Sin, by definition, is a violation against God and his law and his instruction and his way of life. Sin is, if you like, is living in the very world that God has created without any reference to God at all or his guidance or his his instructions. When we sin... God is always first and foremost the most offended party always we have within us the very the third person of the trinity we have within us the very spirit of god and when we live our lives the very life that god has given without any reference to god then god is grieved by our life by our living incidentally You can't grieve an impersonal force. An impersonal force does not grieve. You cannot grieve a power. Only a person can grieve. You cannot grieve or disappoint a principle. Only a person. If you remember, Tim Keller said this in defining the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the personal divine resident of the Christian heart we have within us the personal he's a person divine he's god resident lives within the christian heart and when we and this is this is who we have with us at all time do you know that this morning is your faith and your conduct and your way of life formed and shaped by this understanding that we have within us the very person third person of the trinity who is divine and who is grieved is able to be grieved by our conduct and by our way of living we have a god who grieves god has revealed this to us in his word and if we understand that god can be grieved and if we take this seriously then the next question or the question that maybe ought to follow then is how is it that we grieve the very spirit of god how do we grieve the spirit of god In short, anything that we do that is not holy grieves the Spirit of God. But let's just take a few. First is this, by our actions, by our actions. If you look in this passage, of course, you will find a significant amount of actions if you were to look at the context of this passage as well as even the verses that we have here. We have actions that we ought not do, that when we do these things, they grieve the very Holy Spirit of God. We grieve the Holy Spirit. And this is probably what you think of when you think of if there's certain... If, if how is it that we grieve the Spirit of God? Well, we do stuff we shouldn't do, right? Or we don't do stuff we should do, and so therefore God's Spirit within us is grieved. And we, and we understand that. That's probably... And that's exactly right. But it's amazing how we have a tendency to be able to justify our actions, don't we? We have a tendency to be able to... The action's sort of in our own mind. We have a tendency to say, yeah, I know this isn't right, but... I know I shouldn't probably do this, but you know what? You don't understand the day that I've had. You know, I know I shouldn't do this, but he shouldn't speak to me that way, and so therefore, I know I shouldn't do this. I know I shouldn't, but you know what? Um, it's Friday. I mean, come on. What? Well, I know I shouldn't, but you know, I've worked so hard. I've I've earned it. I've earned the right to. But when we engage in activity that is not holy, when we engage in activity that is not in line with God's best for our life, then the Holy Spirit that is at work within us is grieved, is disappointed, is saddened because of our actions. So we can grieve the Holy Spirit by our actions. We can also grieve the Holy Spirit by our words, by the things that we say, Verse 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. (laughs) This is a challenge, is it not? It is to me. I look at this and I go, let no unwholesome talk come out of our mouths, okay? Only what is helpful, okay? Uh, According to their needs, like the other person's needs, okay? That it may benefit those who listen, that's a lot of weight on the things that we say, is it not? Let me just give you a few other scriptures just to make the point. James chapter one says, those who consider themselves religious yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves and their religion is worthless. If you don't control your tongue, then your faith, you're undermining your very faith. Your, 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 your religious activities, obviously you can't control what comes out of your mouth. Why would they? Proverbs 18: The tongue has the power of life and death. This is the significance of the of of the, of our mouths. It's a, it's a particular danger for people like me who have microphones attached to their mouths a lot of the time. It makes it really hard. <laughs> this week I had to I had to I had to apologize to my wife. Because, because I the night before, and I was sort of I I'd I'd, I'd fallen asleep and then I had woken up and then I we, we was brushing my teeth and then all of a sudden like I, I don't know she said something and I snapped back and I was harsh and I was short and I went to bed, and when I woke up then 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 I realized that I was harsh and I was short and I and so I said to her before I left I I said that I apologized to her because I was short and because I, what I'd said, I was unkind and I was short. And she said, thank you, <laughs> because I was. Because what I'd done is I had grieved, I had grieved my wife but even more than that, I grieve the very spirit of God that is within me. And he knew, he saw it coming. He knew that I shouldn't say it. He knew that, I, and he knew that he was going to have to convict me and that I was going to have to go back and fix it with my wife. Not only did I grieve my wife, but even more so, I grieved the very spirit of God that is within me. And he's going, oh, Platic, not again. Oh, jeez. Don't, just, mm, come on, man. You know, like you know, and I do know better, but I didn't, I, Our words and our actions grieve the very Holy Spirit. Not only our words and our actions, but also our thoughts. Verse 31 says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. We have the very Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit who is at work within us, and he knows your thoughts. (laughs) You know, I can have a tendency to think this way. Um... Well, I didn't do it, I didn't say it, so therefore, it's all good, right? Look, I had self-control. I didn't do it, I didn't say it, but I thought it. And the Spirit of God is in us and knows our very thoughts. Matthew 12 says that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the overflow of our heart, everything, our words and our actions, begin first and foremost by what's dwelling in our hearts. Before we ever speak it or act it, we the bitterness, rage, anger, slander, malice, it all begins there. It, we, they're all heart problems. And they're all in our thoughts and our minds. And when we give space... When we give time, when we daydream about getting even, when we allow room for bitterness to reside in our souls, when we slander others in our minds even just for fun, then we grieve the Holy Spirit who resides in us who knows what is right and what is pure and what is holy and what is good, and that's on what we should be dwelling instead of bitterness, resentment, self-pity, slander, malice, and rage. And we grieve and we disappoint him with our thinking, in our actions, in our words, in our thoughts. We grieve the Spirit of God. And also... And I don't know if we can rank these, but fourthly is this. We grieve the Spirit of God when we fail to recognize His presence. We grieve the Holy Spirit of God when we live as if He's not present with us. Do you you know how insulting it is? Maybe you've experienced this. How insulting it is to be in a room and the people that are in the room with you don't act as if you're not even there. They may even talk about you and you're like, hello, I'm right, I'm, I'm right here. Like, I'm, I'm right here. That, when we have the very person of the Holy Spirit that is living and residing inside of us, the divine personal presence of God, and yet we go about our lives as if he's not even there. We go about our lives as if we're all in it all on our own. And so we go about our days, so too often we go about our days and without any regard to the divine personal presence of God in our hearts. And we make decisions without consulting him. We plan and we act and we dream and we live and we play and we hope and we do all of these things far too often without ever once consulting the very spirit of God for his guidance or for his help. And we just ignore his very presence. And it grieves him. And it ought to grieve us for the amount of times that we do those things. It does me when I start to reflect on it and I start to think about how often I go about my day without hardly ever giving consideration. And I'm humbled by it and I'm disappointed and I'm grieved. And so is he. And so is he. Our failure to recognize his very presence within us And then finally this, we grieve the Holy Spirit by our failure to respond to his promptings. We grieve the Spirit by our failure to respond to his promptings in our lives. Because we fail to recognize his presence, then we become less aware of his promptings. It's frustrating, isn't it, to try to prompt someone to action and to have no response. You know how I know this? Because I'm a dad. (laughs) <laughs> right? I'd be like, hey, um, it's time for breakfast. What do you want for breakfast? And my kids will be on some device or they'll be watching TV, and I'll be like, from the kitchen, hey, um, what do you want for breakfast? Nothing. Gavin, what do you want for breakfast? Christian, what do you want? For- London, what do you want for breakfast? What do you want for breakfast? Nothing. <laughs> mm, um, right? I mean, like, how many times can I? Like, I'm doing this for your benefit. This is the most important meal of the day, I'm told right so hey um let's let's so eventually i have to walk and stand in front of my child my child in front of the tv what do you want for breakfast what (laughs) about to lose my salvation on my child Mm. When you're trying to prompt them to action and there's no action attached with the prompting, it can get frustrating from time to time. And if I can get frustrated, how much more the very Spirit of God is grieved when we will not respond to His promptings. When the Spirit pings your spirit with conviction but you don't notice. When the Spirit guides your path but you don't sense it. When the very Spirit of God warms your heart with the very comfort of God, and yet you still wallow in fear and anxiety. We fail to be able to experience all the, 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 the promptings of the Spirit of God because we fail to recognize the very presence of the Spirit of God. And when we fail to recognize the very presence of the Spirit of God within us, then it is no wonder that our thoughts and our words and our actions grieve the Holy Spirit, is it? Because all of those things follow from what goes on inside our hearts with the very spirit of God and it grieves him to see you living your life without the comforts and wisdom and guidance of your divine advocate well we understand that God himself grieves and that we can grieve the very spirit of God in many ways but you may be saying why does it really matter why do you have to ruin a nice Father's Day like this? Couldn't we just, couldn't we just go on about our stakes and about our own stuff? Can't you go on? Why do you have to bring such a weighty thing to a Father's Day? Because it is a weighty thing. And it's more, more about your heavenly Father than it is about your earthly Father. And so I suggest to you there's nothing more appropriate for us to talk about on a Father's Day than how we might live in right relationship with Him. Why does it matter that I grieve the Holy Spirit? Because I want to say this plainly and I want to say this clearly. Because the Holy Spirit will leave you alone. When you ignore Him, when you resist Him, when you disobey Him, when your heart becomes hard to His work, then you are living in the world that God created without any reference to Him. And he will not leave you in the sense that he will desert you because the passage says that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. Those who are his children have the very seal and, of the person of the Holy Spirit. But you will no longer experience the benefits of the presence of the Spirit of God. You won't benefit from his presence and you won't produce the fruit of the Spirit The Spirit of God is a Spirit of grace, and He will bear with us. But He will leave us to our own devices when we don't recognize His presence and fail to respond to His promptings. You will go about your life and you will wonder why you no longer have a desire to study the Bible or have a desire for the very Word of God. You will desire... God, your desire for God will become small and minute. Your fear and your anxiety will grow. And you may know the truth and the promises of Almighty God, but they no longer provide solace for your heart. Why is that? Because you've quenched the Spirit, because you've grieved the Holy Spirit of God. And while you may continue to come to church and participate in religious activities, they no longer have meaning for your soul. They no longer provide. You no lo- longer sense the movement of God. Because if we continue to deny the very presence, if we continue to not follow the promptings of the Spirit, then we no longer have the benefits and we no longer bear the fruit. And therefore, we find ourselves and our souls in a barren place. Can I ask you, has your soul been barren this morning? Has your heart felt like rocky soil these last days? Have you and Jesus been on hard times? It's possible that you've grieved the very Spirit of God that is within you. And if that's possible, then what are we to do? What are we to do with this reality of this relationship that we have with God when we may have grieved His very Spirit? Well, years ago... I learned when when I was in need of of reconciliation with someone. A very simple formula, if you like. It's a painful formula, at least it is for me, but it's simple, simple to understand. And it goes like this, I'm sorry, I was wrong, please forgive me. Simple. I'm sorry. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm grieved that I grieved you. I, I recognize that, and I apologize for that because I was wrong. I was wrong not and, but, and, but you don't understand my situation. No, I'm sorry. I hurt you. I'm wrong. Please forgive me. Please, will you forgive me? And if we believe that God God's spirit is person and is present in our lives, then why would the formula be any different with him? I recognize, I examine my own heart, and I realize that I have grieved you. I was wrong. So the first thing is this, in order to reconcile and to restore with the very Spirit of God, it takes us being able to examine our own hearts and see the, pattern, uh, that, uh, the patterns of sin in our lives that grieve Him. Whether our actions, whether our words, whether our thoughts, or whether we've just been negligent with regards to the presence of the Spirit of God in our lives. And we need to examine our own hearts. And after examining in our hearts whatever the Spirit of God reveals to us, then we confess our sins to Him. These are the things, and we name it. Confession is about naming names before God. It's not, oh, I I know I failed you, God, and and you just leave it. No, no, no. In what ways have you been negligent in your relationship with, with the holy God? We examine our hearts. We confess our sin, and then we plead for his forgiveness. We plead for his gracious forgiveness in Christ because there is nothing more that, the very, that the God wants for you than to experience his forgiveness and his grace and his presence and all of the benefits of his spirit that is at work within us. And so we plead that he will, will restore us to the joy of our salvation. The great preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon says this Search out for the sin that has grieved the spirit. Give it up. Slay that sin upon the spot. Repent with tears and sighs. Continue in prayer and never rest satisfied until the Holy Spirit comes back to you. I love this. We pray. We, we confess, we repent. He says in tears and sighs and we continue to pray and we never rest satisfied until the Holy Ghost resides with you. Never rest satisfied until you know the promptings of the Spirit, until you know the presence of the Spirit, until you understand. I want to just end and conclude our time this morning by giving you space to examine your heart before God, to confess, your sin before Him and to plead and never rest until you know the very comforts of the presence of God in your life. There's nothing more important you could do this morning than to plead with Him for His presence. Let's do that now.